2: Hello and welcome to the Bees Tactical Podcast where we try to get under the bonnet of all things tactical and statistical at Brentford. I'm David Anderson your host for today and joining me as always is analyst Jonathan Hope. How are we buddy and thanks for joining us.
3: I'm good Dave, how are you mate?
2: Yeah really good, really good. Yeah it's really good to speak to you, just briefly catching up before. You've been keeping well?
3: Yeah really good thank you. A little bit relieved that the season's actually over just from a a uh, workflow perspective nice to have a bit of downtime and uh yeah enjoy the summer so uh yeah it's been such a full-on season you know with work but also following the bees are uh, home and away so it's uh it's nice to have a bit of downtime
2: yeah you've been um <laughs> smothered in football for so long and you work in football watching it living and breathing it and um yeah as much as we all do like it it's actually quite a relief when you have a, a bit of a weekend or a, or some of your midweek back, but um, yeah, it's been full on, hasn't it? The season has been incredible. Less games, obviously, than the championship, but it has still felt really intense. I think just because of the magnitude of each game. But um, yeah, it's really good to speak to you and um, yeah, have a little catch up and start this um, this summer recruitment series. So first of all, I reckon it's a good part to say like what this is going to be. So we did it last year. We looked at um, we looked at Brentford. In the summer, it's always a good time to try and start actually identifying the squad and looking at who's who's done well, who's done bad, who's sort of running out of contract, and then who's going to move on, and then try, which is really hard with Brentford. But look at look at the three areas, like the three sort of positions: defence, midfield, and attack, and and try and identify a few players that might come into those positions. Um, we got a couple right last year. Um, we we found a few nuggets and um, and some that have actually interest has grown as the as the season has gone on. It's got public and um so yeah we we were doing something right some of them were way out of our league but um yeah we picked a few names out and um yeah hopefully we can do the same again um but yeah you ready to get into it jonathan
3: yeah good to go mate good stuff
2: right let's do it yeah so as i was saying this first one is going to be a bit of a recap on the squad and just having a little look at have a look at the players that played the most minutes and the the most used 11. What we've done prior is just done a little ABC ranking and just tried to identify which players each of us feel like are really important and we we can't really afford to lose and should be linchpins next season. Um, Which players are uh, probably been on the periphery last year, but looking to just move well up in the minutes, like double, treble, quadruple their minutes from last year and push themselves into the first team. And then the C's. Players that it's really time to let go and move on, and they don't really have any position in our squad. That they're, they're on the periphery. Minutes are just going to be really, really limited, and it's just best that they either go out on the, or or look for look for a club elsewhere. What we should do though, first of all, actually, is I think um just such a magna, such a such a huge, magnificent season. I reckon we should actually just talk a little bit about like our own highlights mm-hmm. and stuff. Jonathan, what delve me up a little highlight of yours? What what stands out from the season just gone?
3: Oh, do you know what? There were so many. Um... I think, it, I mean, we'll go all the way back to that Friday night against Arsenal, I think, um, going into that game. We didn't really know what to expect, didn't really know how we were going to cope. All the, the world, um, the eyes of the world were literally all on us. Um, but then I think I remember seeing that Arsenal team sheet going through and going, well, it was pretty beatable. You know, I, there was, a, obviously, I think they had a bit of a COVID outbreak that kind of went in our in our way. But we were just magnificent that night, you know, just completely overwhelmed them physically um, the atmosphere was just, you know, I, it was incredible. Honestly, it was amazing. Um, that set uh, the second goal in front of us uh, when Norgar scored. That, that honestly, that will stay with me for the honestly the rest of my life. Um, that, and then also, I'd say um, not just the game, but it was the third. Jana, it was the third goal when Jan out chips Mendy. I think that was just incredible in the sense of, uh, hang on. we're we're actually going to do this here. It was, that was, yeah, I mean, I've got so many Chelsea mates and it was nice to go, I can enjoy this because that. it being realistic, winning 4-1 at Stamford Bridge will probably not happen again, um, at least for a very, very long time. Um, It was just, that was just an amazing day. That was completely unexpected. But also from a tactical point of view, um, watching that game and watching it back, we were so, so good. Um, I love the aggression in the high press. Um Mendy, we made that bloke look so mediocre. Um I I respect that he's not exactly the most gifted with his feet, but we honestly made him look dire that day. Um and I don't use that lightly. Um so yeah, them two are probably probably up there. Um big notes uh notable mentions. I think Watford away, Pontus right in front of the away fans, ninety-sixth minute, that was that just went off. I must have gone down about five um uh, rows. That was that was amazing. Um, also, Norwich as well. I think that was Norwich away. I think that was a massive turning point in our season. Um, we needed to win that game. Um, I think it was Newcastle the week before. O- obviously, we knew what happened where we, we we didn't have really much of a chance. Obviously, with the silver getting sent off so early, and it was a it was a massive six pointer for both both teams. And yeah, that would that just went off that day. It was brilliant, and uh, that kind of started the whole. Um, end of season um, flourish Um, so that was that was also a really really big highlight for me yeah
2: yeah some magnificent memories in there amazing amazing yeah Uh, it's just been a it's been a crazy season hasn't it when you think of those isolated moments how big and how high they've been and and how in in the end we've just finished comfortably mid-table haven't we we're so much better than some of those teams at the bottom and we've done it at times like with a smile on our face as well playing like the right way getting the ball forward and just out thinking and out tacticking some of these teams um you brought up the chelsea game I, th- I think it's the chelsea game for me that that was just a ruthless display that second half was um kind of the first half was okay um uh, went in one nil down and then the second half you're thinking like what are we going to come out here if we got anything else to match Or chelsea going to cruise this and go on and um y- yeah you know, just been one of my favorite players for a while now and that of his second goal was pretty good but the first goal was just it was just like you know old Hitzelsberger I used to call him the hammer I, th- I think yanel has got that hammer strike as well in him balls just rolled to him and he's just absolutely levered it with his left Mendy, Mendy no point in really diving it was past him before he's moved and it was just like right game's going our way now there's just going to be nothing you can do the the momentum had swung we just looked dominant and Eriksen played really well in that game as well like that, that really powerful run from his own edge of our own box where Bemo spun, um, I think it was, I think it was on the edge of that, on the edge of their, the their box, bouncing ball, and then just sprints upfield, and Eriksen's tracking him all the way at great speed and pace, and then just gets a tap in with a lovely finish over Mendy. It just, it was just such a great second half, and um, and yeah, to do that to one of the top teams, like really the third best team in the country, and make them look so ordinary. Yeah, will I don't think we'll forget that for a long, long time. But yeah, some great memories from the season. Um, yeah, so. Great memories, great um, great performances um, from an individual aspect. I think some of the players have got to be really proud. Like everyone had been knocking them down and saying, "Do you belong in the Premier League? Like, is this your level? Should you have just stayed in the Championship?" So many of them have proved everyone wrong. Like every every pundit basically had Brentford as one of the three to go down, didn't they? Just thinking it was a step too far for the end. But looking at us, I mean, some of our some of our boys look really at home, and that's where um, I think first of all for these episodes, it's, it's going to be good to. To just go through the squad and we, we've had a little look and I mentioned that ABC analysis because this is the, what the recruitment team will do. They'll look at, they'll have a little bit more detail on this and they'll have deeper metrics. Essentially, you're just looking at, yeah, I guess, from a logic perspective, like secure your most important players on longer deals so that you don't ever, you don't ever lose them at the wrong time. Or if you do lose them, it's for a huge fees. And then players that you're not so sure about, or you want to move into the other into the other positions of first teamers, just give them little minutes here and there, and then just have a batch of players that you're happy to sell and got value, and you're le- you're basically ready to let them go at any time. So we're just gonna I'll, I'll scan through um, the squad as a whole uh, and have a quick look down. Um, it's quite interesting because we've both gone at this separately, and uh, you've you've had yours, Jonathan. Um, you've got. <laughs> So I've categorised fifteen players as A, and A category is the players that we're just without fail we need to keep hold of these and move into next season. But you only had eight as As. Um, let's have a little look at some of the differences there. Well, how come you've gone so much lower and I've gone so much higher? Where do you think the difference is? Which players do you think I've gone? Are hugely pivotal to next season and done really really well for us this year?
3: So what I would say with my um, my As, I classified my A's as the spine of the team as in they are essentially what you know they are irremovable um they are the ones that are gonna kind of um every starting 11 more or less each week they're going to be on the team sheet um and then you've got your like your your B's and I've kind of used the B's and C's as more of like the your, kind of your fringe players your kind of players that they're in and out of the squad um they are there are I've probably gone a bit more controversial with certain players um, just because I think um, going forward to next season, I'm looking at it as a sense of like, would I see that player as being a player who's going to start every week? Um, and that's kind of my uh, my thought process behind it. Um, but yeah, that's how I've gone with it.
2: So I'll most use 11. I'll just I'll just quickly scan down this. You've got Pontus Janssen, Christian Norgard, um, Mbemo, Rika Henry, Pinnock, Tony, Yanelt, Kanos, Raya, Aya, and Matthias Jensen. Um it's not a bad team if you think, like especially if you think how much championship football that team have played and then step into the Premier League. But there's been a lot of um there's been a lot of support and um, a lot of other players have come in and helped the team at vital times. I think overall we use twenty. 20- eight players sorry 29 players at different stages throughout the season and um yeah they've all played their part some have been a bit more important than others but yeah the, the a's so i've actually gone 15 a's out, out of our squad i think if you're thinking season to season like how much how much of those boys do you reckon can go again and like actually improve on what they did last year and and there's still more in the tank so the majority of them are at a good age and bomo's at a really good age henry's at a good age you uh, know, canos i uh, the majority of that starting eleven, like that sort of most used eleven, you think if you if you can get them improving and and developing and actually pushing on next year, you could have a you could have a really good squad with just a couple of additions. But I think you've been a little bit not as hot on and Bemo as one and Sergi Canos as the other. Mm-hmm. Do you think those are two of the the main weak spots in that most used eleven that if we could upgrade? That's if if we're going to get up the table, that's where we need to upgrade.
3: Uh, for me, yeah, absolutely. Um... This is not discrediting Brian Mabuomo at all. I think he has actually had a very, very, very good season. Um, I just think what I would like to see going forward, I would just like to see a little bit more competition for him. You know, I'd like to see someone kind of um, challenging for that spot, whether that's a right winger or um, playing in that two up front in a a 3-5-2. And that's just kind of what I would like to see, because I think there have been times this season where Brian, you know, he's, he's missed chances and, you know, I think is I think is I think he's got the highest xG of this season, um, expected goals, um, and the difference. I think he was expected like ten goals, whereas I think he was, what three. Um, so it's a huge, huge. Um, I think that's a huge uh, contrast. Um, and I would just, yeah, I think I think with a bit more competition for places, certainly with Mbwemo, I think that hopefully would kind of kick him on a little bit next season as well. So when you know he's got someone hot on his tail, he's going to step that game up a little bit. 'Cause we know there's a player in there that's gonna hopefully still get better and better and better.
2: Yeah, it's an interesting point on Bemo and I think that is where you're looking at if you if you think can we upgrade him in front of goal? Like, yeah, you're right to bring that up. I think it his um what he was expected to score and what he did actually score. Like he, I think he had the biggest differential in the entire league, which is terrifying. When you think if we got closer to that and we finished I think we finished thirteenth, where would we have finished if we had someone just a little bit luckier and a little bit more clinical in front of goal? Like you just mm-hmm. you just don't know. But yeah, I mean we, we've got to call it out a little bit. He is—he's awful in front of goal. He just is. It's, it's, we've got evidence of it from season after season now. Um, he's a—you watch him. He's a—he's a sort of—he's he's a wiry guy when he's in front of goal. He's like his sort of body's off balance. He, he doesn't really settle. And I think those sorts of skills are better for dribbling and just getting the ball upfield and taking players on and just confusing players when you're trying to skill past them. When you want someone in front of goal just to direct the ball at goal, keep it low make the keeper work and all these things I, I just I think they count against him and I think he's always going to be a more dangerous player outside the box than in it but I hope he proves me wrong but yeah I, I went A because I think he's played a lot of minutes and he's a strong boy and you know he, he can he can put the minutes in and I still think he'll be a key part of our squad next season unless uh, an offer comes in from a, a bigger club but yeah I, can we go again and, and if Wisser gets that that pressing right off the pitch, like oh, sorry, out, outside the box? Because I think in the box, he's a far better player than Mbemo.
3: But if he gets his outside of the box game right,
2: could those minutes swap around? And could we see Wisser playing a lot more than Mbemo? What do you reckon?
3: Yeah, potentially. I think Wisser when he's come in, he's, he's shown a, a clinical edge. Um, he's perhaps not as um, involved in the general play as much as perhaps Brian is. But when Wisser's in front of goal, uh, he's... You know, he's taking his chances. You know, I think, what was it, Southampton Southampton game, he, when the game has literally opened up one time for him, you know, he scores. And that perhaps just sums, sums Wister up at the moment. Yes, he needs to kind of work on his pressing from the front a little bit more um, and just overall general play um, with his combinations. But I think shown, he's shown that he's got, there's certainly a player in there that's going to get better and better. And um, I, I think what Wister's finished on, what, nine or 10 goals as well, so... Um, and that's from you know nowhere near as many starts, and mostly from the bench. So it's it's a, it's a great return, certainly from a, a playing in the top flight for the first time.
2: Yeah, as soon as that ball lands to him in the box, don't you? He? He's got a clean strike. He he knows where the goal is. As in, he's not trying to do too much. He's just trying to keep efforts low, straight. Either hitting it into the ground and letting it bounce and take the power and create generate power from that way. Adjusting himself, just a lovely first time strike of the ball. Is he's, um, he's done really well this year. Um, yeah, it's going to be exciting to see where he pushes on to next year. Um, of the of that most used eleven, um, Matthias Jensen sort of hovering around the edge. He's on sixteen hundred minutes last season. Uh, I've got him down as a C, which I'm classing in the categories. Like happy to uh, happy to let go and just really move him on now as quick as you can. I think he's in the final year of. Doesn't look like there's been a new deal offered on the table, or or one that. Looks like it's going to be signed. You've got him as a B. I've got him as a C. Yep. Do you think there's anyone? Do you think? Do you think anyone's looking at him and thinking we need to secure this player for three or four years, or or this is the route we want to go as our central midfielder? Where Where do you think his future
3: lies? Um, yeah, it's a real difficult one. Um, there's Jensen's a bit like Marmite. For a lot of people. Um, I think obviously Jensen's been talked about quite quite a fair bit, certainly on this podcast, but also. Um you see him a lot on Twitter and, you know, just elsewhere. I think with Jensen, the biggest compliment I can give him is that I think since Ericsson's come in, I think it's really allowed Jensen to flourish a little bit. Um I like that he's uh when I think it was um I'm not sure what game it was. It might have been the Southampton game. I thought he was really, really excellent in the sense that Ericsson played a little bit deeper and Jensen was given a little bit more of a um uh, a roaming role and allowed him to kind of free him up. Um I've said it so many, so many times. I do have a bit of sympathy for Jensen in that in that um that structured, highly structured formation of a five at the back and he was literally our only creative midfielder and there wasn't much to aim for. And I think he has shown to be a lot, lot better when we've gone 4-3-3 and just had that little bit more of express um expressive uh fluidity in our squad going through um, and I think it's allowed him to flourish a little bit and it showed he's, he, he he played really really well I'm trying to think of the game now um, his best game was not long ago um, it might have been Southampton uh, I might be wrong uh, but I thought he was excellent um, he had a man in a match performance where he was generally the best player on the pitch Um it was Leeds as well. I thought he was very, very good at Le- against Leeds. Um probably one of the better players on the pitch. I think there's I think there is um certainly like a, a squad role for Jensen I think in and amongst. And again we talk about if Ericsson goes, where is your creative creative midfielder? Are we gonna go get another one or have we got enough players in that in that role? Um for me I think Jensen could go and play easily like in the Eri de I think he could go play and probably go back into La Liga. Um uh, I think he could do where. Uh, we're, we're, we're looking at a division where it's perhaps not so physical, um, perhaps a little bit more time on the ball. Um, I, I think so. I think they would look at Jensen as a, as a fully-fledged international football player. Um, uh, he, he must be doing something right when he's certainly in the top barrier area for highest minutes played and being called up to the Danish national squad on a regular
2: He's a He's a weird player, isn't he? Like um, He is frustrating and he is always going to be divisive. Um, I think he does some numbers came out where sort of he was like top 10 for pressures in the league and successful pressures as well. well like stats bombs numbers I don't know I don't know when you watch when you watch him at length actually watch him and then you see numbers like that it makes you more doubt like what's going into those and how and how accurate they are instead of like how many other players are affecting like those pressures and retain and the ball coming back to Brentford after he's been involved in pressure it's not it's not just him. there's more players involved in that and a lot of that is down to the sheet uh the shape and the team shape and sort of team structure and where we're where we're getting the ball for the opposition to force it into areas and then they're going to give it away most likely it's because that's the position he-, he is part of that but I don't think seeing numbers like him being in the top 10 of pressures and successful pressures make me um <laughs> they don't make me jump up and down at those at those yeah. numbers and what goes into them but he does have quality, but he also has, he does also have a lot of negative points as well. And I, 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 I hate to sort of dig into him, but I think if you're looking at the way the Premier League is going now, and English football especially, and you spoke about, you gave a couple of the leagues where you thought he'd thrive. Because as much as um, it just sounds lazy to talk about pace and power, the, the English game is about speed and power combined of technique so if you've got good technique you can't really just get in you can't really command the game you need to have that speed in transition you need to be good on the break or you need to have a system that really suits you and just allows those things to be hidden that's great listening to you talking about that Ericsson match because I remember it was Southampton. I think he he was a little bit further and Ericsson dictated a little bit further back and you almost, you sort of Eriksson get, uh, sorry, Jensen gets this thirty yards of the pitch. He doesn't have to do too much work, and he doesn't have to travel between the bottom of the middle third to the edge of the the final third. And he, the game's kind of ahead of him a bit more, and he can look a bit better. He doesn't have as much. He can just try and pick up spaces between the lines and and do probably what he's better at, getting on the edge of the box and trying to play balls through and spread it wide. The problem for him is, um, I, I don't think we're. I don't think we're going to benefit enough from him doing that in our team across the season for him to be the future, if you see what I mean. like He's he's a player that's always going to be on the periphery and just getting... And I think we need better from those players going forwards. I, I, yeah, I just see the league getting harder. I see, I see the promoted sides being better. And I, I just don't think you can 1,600 minutes going to Ericsson... Sorry, going to Jensen next season. I think we, that player getting 1,600 minutes needs to be... I think they need to be scoring a few and they need to be assisting a few, not just us kind of hoping that they don't make defensive errors if you see I mean. I'm trying to be polite with him a little bit as well but um yeah, yeah. good player but I, I, do, I do see his future elsewhere now I think um how settled he is in London and how happy he is probably unknown not um he's not a player we need to be ploughing free three-year contracts so, and you know, I think it's time to it's time to move on from yeah
3: don't, don't, don't forget as well you've got you've got Joshua Silva coming back in pre-season he'll have a um, yeah, like, Baptiste. I'm, I'm expecting a, perhaps a better season from Frank Onyeka next year as well. Mm. He's had one season to bet in, um, into how we kind of play. So, they're, they're three big players, you know, in my opinion. So, the competition for that centre midfield berth, even without, say, Ericsson wasn't around, you've still got quite a lot of players in there. So, um yeah, I don't think I'd be seeing that similar um sort of minutes total for... Jens next year, unless um, unless perhaps injuries uh, in occur, basically, yeah.
2: Just looking down the list a little bit as well, and it's, it's, you mentioned on Yekram, he's a player that we both had in the B category. So I, I think he got, he got 1,000 minutes last season. Injuries, um, he went to the Cup of Nations as well, didn't he? Uh, at yeah. the time. Took a little while to get back from that and probably just had a stop-start season, which didn't benefit him playing in the hardest league he's ever played, like the highest level in the hardest league. So... I don't know if it did him well, but um, but he, yeah, he's a player we both categorise as B, like looking to push on next season. Another one is also Shandon Baptie, um, both Bs as well. He got, got nine hundred and four minutes last year, so just under a thousand. Um, was a bit silly up at Wolves, wasn't he, with his second yellow, which could have gone a lot worse for us, but we ended up seeing out that game. He made a couple of cameos where he looked strong and looked important and looked like uh, he could um, he could impact games at this level but one just above these guys uh 938 minutes so th- these are three players all on that 1000 minute mark is Christian Eriksson we we've, we've both categorized him as a like um, just absolutely must stay <laughs> do whatever we can to keep him in the team um, has he been the player that surprised you most this season what, do you, what do you, what's your Eriksson assessment
3: well yeah i mean i mean one of one of the uh, the surprising players um it was a bit of you didn't really know what to expect with Christian Eriksson you didn't really know how how he was going to come in. It was obviously a massive coup at the time, but we wasn't sure if he was, you know, certainly going to, I didn't expect him to, I think it was the Norwich game. He walked back into that team and played the full 90 minutes. I was, I was, I was there and I was shocked. Um, yeah, he's just been the game changer. And I don't think it's any coincidence that the, the form towards the end of the season has literally coincided with Eriksson coming in January. Um, it's, it, it's, uh,
1: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
3: It's been a match made in heaven for us. It's he has been a pleasure to watch. Um, he has just given us a bit of a different dimension, his, his quality, his eye for a pass. Um, yeah, he just give. I think, made players around him better. And i go back to Jensen. I think he's made Jensen better. I think he's even made out um, better as well, um, giving out a bit more... Uh, freedom to go and play uh, forward and um, be a bit more expressive. Um, he's just given us a bit of just that just that world class quality. Um, it obviously going forward, I think saying something really really perhaps controversial is does survival next season again depend on whether he stays in the summer? I think it. I think it could um, because I think he's really going to be really difficult to replace. Certainly within our transfer budget. Um, uh so yeah, I, I think he's he's just been amazing. He's been great and he, if he does go we can all shake hands and say, Well, wow, what a pleasure to watch him play for the last ever so much.
2: Completely agree with so much of that. I, th- I think I spoke to John McKenzie at All Stats, aren't we, just before um the Leeds game and he asked me about Ericsson. he was saying, Is it like is it lazy to are people being lazy just saying Ericsson was the turning point in preface season? But I, I just don't think it is lazy to say that at all. And that, that's how I answered him. You think when he came in, like where we were looking and we were on a bit of a down, weren't we? That we were looking around and it's hard to know whether a changing quality of the teams we were playing, like just that dip of, we started playing a few of the, like the other relegation candidates and we played, a, we played some good teams in a row, um, but he definitely lifted the whole squad. Hasn't he? Like, I think you just watch him, you watch him on the pitch and, tactically off the ball he's quite smart isn't he just all of a sudden filters into shape and he doesn't sprint around but he's always kind of in the right position good good eye for where the ball's going to drop when he does get it he's already got a picture and he's playing it quite uh, just that little sort of i don't just that little nudge to get the ball away from someone and protect it and then release it just a very very good player and um yeah he has made us look a lot better than we had for this latter part of the season and I, I think you're right as well If we, we've got to think long and hard about where, where we get that structure and that discipline but that also creative quality from in a player because um, we didn't look great at times last season there were times where we looked a bit static and we were struggling um and we were, we were we were looking around at the team and looking for ideas and we were tried, kind of relying on Jensen to dig us out of holes and be our creative outlet and I don't think that's a position you want to be in in year two when we're a bit more of a scalp next year because we've been this cocky upstart that's done well, thinks we're here to stay so we do need to adjust and they'll be working on it now trying to convince him to stay and it would be a, it would be a lovely thing if he did What what's your opinion on him do you, do you think he'll stay or do you think he'll go where do you where do you sit on that fence?
3: Oh, I've, I've I can honestly say, hands down, I've got absolutely no idea. I think it comes down to Tottenham Hotspur, in my opinion. I think he's got a great affiliation. I think he stays in London. I think I've I'm I'm like everyone else. I've heard the rumours and I've clutched onto them um, them rumours about him apparently visiting schools in a local area for his kids. And I'm like, oh, that's a good sign. But then I'm also thinking. Um, he's just I think he's really settled in London. I think if Conte says the right things to Ericsson and says you fit in here, you fit in there which I'm a little bit on the fence of because that is the only thing I can see not working in Ericsson's favour. I don't think he suits that that um that three, four, three in a Spurs. I, I really don't. But if, Eric, uh, if Conte turned around and said, Well, look, we're in these competitions, we're going to be a little bit more fluid with it, we're going to go 4 3 3 at times, and this is where you fit in. I do think that will probably be the game changer in the sense that Eriksson will then have a chance to go and play in the Champions League. He's got a World Cup year, and essentially, he's just back on the big stage, and, and that's probably where he deserves to be. Um, where Brentford kind of fall into his plan and where I can see him staying is it's a romantic tale. He's happy in London. We've given him that chance. He is when he's fit, when he's playing how he is, he's without a doubt the first name on the team sheet. Um and he is the main man. He is the you know, he's the star. And that's the perhaps the the pull of what we have because we certainly can't compete financially. We can't compete um Champions League or European football. So that is what we have to go on. And from a fan's point of view, that's hopefully what we've just got to rely on, how good we've been told the the infrastructure and the, um, the general brilliant environment that Thomas Frank keeps relaying to. and Hopefully that is just going to pay dividends. He goes, yeah, you know what, I'm happy here. That'll do for me. I'm happy to stay here for a couple more years. Or do you know what, even another year, just say, because we've got, we've got a World Cup year, just say, we've got give, give us one more year. You're going to go off in... November, December, go play a World Cup because you know you're going to be playing more or less from the start of the season, going in, flying. You're not going to be having a stop-start season if you say you went to a Tottenham where you're going to be in and out of the squad. You're going to go into that flying and then give us one more year and then see what happens because um, we haven't paid a fee for him. Well, I mean, we're probably paying it in wages, but we haven't paid an outright fee. So if we left, if he went for nothing, we haven't lost out uh, on end uh, realistically. And if anything, he's paid us back in keeping us up. So, yeah, I mean, fingers crossed. I, I really hope he does stay.
2: Mm, yeah, some interesting points you bring up there as well about like his options and going forwards, like what he'd want out of his own career and, and why he'd want that. Um, Spurs is obviously a big draw because it's, it's a club he spent time at. But I think the blocker is Conte. I don't know how well they get on. I'm not sure they've got a good history. I don't think Conte is system drilling and like his expectation and where he sees his team going. I don't know how much that suits Ericsson Um I don't know if he fits into his style now. I, I'm just not you're you're right about that shape. I think the 4-3-3 does suit Ericsson the best. Um you want good rotations, you don't want you don't want to be too disciplined and you want to be more on that maybe counter-attacking style now. Um yeah, it is a difficult one to to plan out, but I, I think you have his pick of teams. Uh, but you're right, you you got to think where where's he going to play the most football and keep himself in and and the danish team be most happy with him that he is at a good level fitness wise he's playing and he's happy and um coming into that squad and yeah he, he'd want to be in the best form ever because i think the international stage is the one that where sometimes you look at these players and think it's champions league i don't know if it is with him i think it is that international stage and representing denmark again at a really high level and they're a good team like they they'll feel like they're in with a chance of, of winning something It'd be a bit of a long shot a bit of outsiders but they'll be confident enough and I think it was England wasn't it that just pipped them and it was a tight game and they'll probably feel like they were the better team and should have gone through and um yeah so there's a lot a lot of it will come down to settled and happiness and where he is settled and just doing the best thing for the latter parts of his career and I I just don't think going into a team where he's going to be just on the periphery is the best move for him and hopefully he agrees and (laughs) and he stays (laughs) um Okay, let's move on from Ericsson for a little bit. We've covered him quite quite a fair bit. Um a couple of players we did briefly mention, like we've got the Baptiste, it was on nine hundred and four minutes, just under the thousand. Hopefully a bit more we see a bit more from um Josh De silver picked up a serious injury and we didn't get he struggled to get going at the back end last season. And luckily we had Ericsson, so we didn't need him to dig us out of holes with that left footed long strike that he's got. Um but yeah, I expect him to be, have a big part next year. Um he's he's a he's definitely a Premier League standard player once he gets going and he should um he should have us charging up the table. Um those are the B's. I think there's a few um there's a few Cs now, and I think we've agreed on a fair few of these. Actually, let's just run through a couple. Um, Simon Godos and Charlie Goode We'll do these guys together. Um, Godos in the first half of the season was interesting because he was. We were crying out for creativity. We looked dull, didn't we? there? Was moments where we didn't look great and you a tricky player cutting in off the left or the right, or as an, an attacking midfielder or just playing off a forward. He could do something different. He, he managed to get 527 minutes last season. Most of those, in the end, turned out to actually be a left-back, I think, times for that as well. Covering from Henry, covering from Henry. And he was good. I mean, you think of that Watford game where he drew that penalty late on, coming in from the left. Um, he was a clever player. He kept possession for us well. But we've both gone Cs. And I think for us and for him, you'd think this is kind of the end now, isn't it? Like, he needs to play. He doesn't really want to see out the rest of his days sort of on the bench and not really, not really seeing much game time. Um, he's better than that. Do you see his future elsewhere?
3: Yeah, hundred percent. I think I think it was Phil Giles last season saying that you know in regards to how where we want the squad now to be in regards to a Premier League squad, they've got to be um, it's got to be probably more of a dynamic squad, uh, a lot quicker. um, And Godos just doesn't fit under that for me. I think uh, he yeah he's 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 done well in times, but just in regards to the quality and standard, we just need so much better, and that's and I I think just it. We need we need a little bit better, and he won't get. He shouldn't, in my opinion, get the required minutes that he probably wants uh, from us next year.
2: And similarly with fitness and um, athleticism, um, getting up and down the pitch, like what can you play a number of positions? How versatile are you to the team? Charlie Good as well really struggled at Sheffield United. Hardly got into their team.
3: Yeah, Charlie Good um, went. He, um, he 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 almost for a minute. You know, he kind of got into that team, didn't he? And. Uh, he he didn't do anything particularly wrong. Um, when he when he came in, um, it was his big big opportunity. If anything, he he, he didn't he didn't have a chance in the championship either. Um, circumstances. Yeah, he came in. Uh, play against Watford. played against Tottenham away. Um, he did relatively okay. But again, I think just injuries again just killed him. Um, went out on loan to Sheffield United. I think he. I think it, I'm not sure if it was his first start, but it might have been. It was certainly. Um, one or second game and he just absolutely killed a bloke Um, absolutely <laughs> just just flew in Um, almost yeah just sent him into Rosehead got sent off after like 20 minutes or something like that I don't think he even got on the bench for Sheffield United after that so yeah I mean that, I, I saw the tackle yeah he absolutely ruined him so I think that was his Sheffield United uh, career uh, done there and then Oh, yeah he's another one that um again just I don't think he's up to the required standards um uh, of what we need next year.
2: Yeah, which is I, we, I I guess there's a few ways to look at that. Like we are at the elite top level of football and there's no shame in there's no shame in players not being able to hit that level and we're probably going to talk about a couple of others now that I think just because Brentford as a club have been on the up and on the rise you're going to have to cast off players on that journey because they've been good enough to get you to the level or help you at the level you were at but they might not be good enough for where you're going and I think there's a couple of others on the periphery who've been loaned out now it's it's actually a bit clearer I think um, a few of us had a bit of an idea about this anyway but you're looking at Dom Thomas, Marcus Force, probably Tariq Fosu Henry as well um, and Dervis Soglu that they're, they're just all in that group now some of them have had quite a few chances with us um, some of them have had quite a few chances out on loan as well and Dom Thompson, not so much, but force, I think, if you look at his whole performances, the problems with him actually came out if you look at some of those performances. He's very much like a head-down player, just sort of at top speed all the time. Not great with his back-to-goal, but then if he's not in a dominant team, you can play him in in behind, or intricately or well. Is, is he ever going to be playing for a team as good as us and as dominant as us again. He struggled at Hull. He really didn't look great. I think a lot of sort of running down blind alleys and not quite in cohesion with the team. Um, Thompson, I didn't get to watch as much of from um, Ipswich. I don't know if you saw a bit more of him.
3: Um, I-, I could only go on reports from what I heard. Um, I think he started off pretty well, um, but then started to slowly decline. Um, and again, it's just coming back to that lack of consistency, um, which again forced kind of, again, kind of, eludes it which eludes Marcus Force um I watched a fair bit of force in a sense that there's there's absolutely no question about his finishing like it's probably one of the better best uh, better finishes uh, better better finishes we've seen um but it's just overall gameplay um it's just again he's just you know he's more of a poacher isn't he he's his overall general play and his hold-up play um his link up it's just it's not quite there not the level we need um but I, that, that wouldn't say, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a pre-season just, you know, at the early stages. And if he goes out on loan again, it's probably, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but if hopefully we got a fee that probably reflects his standard, then I wouldn't be surprised if he goes. Uh, and Thompson, again, I think he, he, he goes as well. I don't think he's up to the required standard. And certainly when you look at the gulf between him him and Rico Henry, that's what we need to start looking at, is these players in the, in these uh who are cemented in, that, in those certain positions. Like We want players and then go and challenge them. For me, Thompson doesn't get anywhere near Rico Henry's ability. Um, um, and we want someone that will go and challenge those. So, yeah, Thompson goes as well.
2: That understudy cast needs to be... They need to be ready to step in and actually say, hang on, Like they need to be alerting you to them and saying, I, I need a claim for that position. And um, a few of these lads now are just not... They can't do that. And it is, it is consistency. When they're coming in, they're not quite good enough. Where they've given like opportunities out on loan, they haven't shown that they're consistent enough to break into those teams and pull up pull up trees there. So your 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 decisions on their futures kind of been made for you, and you can you can hope they're going to come good for a long enough period. But in the end, the evidence again is there, and there's enough now to know where these people belong. A couple of the other youngsters who um, are they've done really well in the B team. Um, they're, uh, they're 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 serious players. I mean, they're the sort of ones that we want to move into the edge of the first team. and These next couple. And probably enjoy and and see if they can um they can do that like boyhood <laughs> that sort of boy thing moving into the first team and and getting more minutes. We've got Miles Pert Harris, one that you'll know well. Yeah. Um, Nathan Young Coombs, Finn Stevens, and Paris Magoma as well promoted to the to the first team as well. Like, where who do you see out of those like trying to break through? And um, is there any who who stands out of those first of all? But is there any of those that um, that you think should yeah? Take up those minutes of those um those players that we're probably definitely gonna be seeing.
3: Well, yeah. Firstly, firstly, like for for being a B team player coming into that first team, it's not like the championship in the sense of you know that's you know you're almost there. you know you now talk about the Premier League, you know that standard has gone up so so much. Um, I think Young Coombs has had such a fantastic season for the B team, and what what an amazing achievement for him to come on um, against Southampton for a few minutes. You know that that would have meant the world to him and. He's certainly shown he's a real good goal scorer, so I, I fully expect him to be more in the round squad if he doesn't go out on loan. Finn Stevens again, I think he's had a little bit more. You know, he I think he came came on against Southampton, probably play away at Port Vale in the FA Cup. So, and he's shown to be he, he, there's a player there that can perhaps really, really progress and be a really, really good player. A potential loan for him. Paris Magoma, if you read the reports from the um, certainly from the B team manager and stuff like that they're saying that he's probably one of the most technical, uh, gifted technical players to come out of that. So I'm excited to see um, more of Magoma. I think he had a, a serious injury when we were in the Championship, uh, when we got promoted. And I, if I am believed correctly, they were expecting him to kind of push on more that season. Um, so uh, yeah, again, I think he's going to have, a, I'm excited to see more of him. You know, we've Certainly, early stages when you've got the Carabao Cup games and pre-season. it's a, it's a big, big opportunity for them to go and mm-hmm. go and show their showcase. Pert Harris, um, I don't know what's happened with Miles in the sense that he um, he's not featured at all in regards to in and around the squad for the first team. Um, the B team, I barely see him play for the B team as well. So not quite sure what's happened there. Um, but it's probably another one that needs to go out on loan. Um, but hopefully gets a pre to kind of showcase his talent. Because there is a player there, I'm certain.
2: Physically, he looks like one that you could move into the league straight away. It's just whether he can match that up with tactical and the technical stuff as well. But yeah, physically, like size-wise, engine-wise, expect him to, to already have the good base to, to to build from and get into the team. But yeah, he, he has been a bit quiet, hasn't he? And um, hopefully he comes good next year and we see a bit more... Um, but yeah, that's an interesting crop to look out for, and uh, it might, it might be that a loan is needed. But those little nuggets of minutes that you mentioned, that little three minutes for Coombe, like sort of running the game down, and and Finn Stevens as well, I, I think that's that's indicative of the the Thomas Frank and the other team being impressed with the with what they're doing outside of the first team, and just saying right. You just get a little taster of that. You get a little taster of preparing for a first team match and being in and around the squad and then actually getting onto the pitch. uh, Like Financially, that'll be rewarding for them as well as individuals, but also just that little taster just to keep them focused and say, right, you've just done this. You've hit these metrics. You're doing well and that's your reward. Can you go and do that again? Can you push on because that's, you're not done now? You're not in the team. You've, you've still got to show us another level, and uh, maybe you'll get more minutes next season. So I, I like those. I like those guys. Nathan Young Coom seems to. He's got something about him, hasn't he? He's got like an energy. He's got like uh, he's got like a bit of charisma, a bit of an aura. There, you can tell there's a player there. But yeah, let's keep an eye out for those ones. A couple of others that we know that aren't going to be here next season: Julian John Vier had a bit of a disappointing loan with injuries and the last few years have been but it's great that we're cutting him loose now for good and we've way moved on from Jean Vier and uh, um, yeah wish him best of luck in the future I think you briefly mentioned Fernandez as well he's not going to, going to go back to his but um, Zanka we're not sure about I think you mentioned that um, he is going to be around for pre-season and see how it goes with him and he'll try and get fit. And who knows, we may have an injury just before the season and offer him a contract, but he seems to be a reliable guy and and an off-the-field personality that everyone wants to keep close. So we have to keep an eye out and see what happens with him. But yeah, I think overall then, if we're looking at our ABCs and who's going out on loans, and I think I have kind of came to the conclusion that this is quite a static squad. There isn't much... Um, especially the first team and those guys just around the first team that you change, which is um, possibly going to make our recruitment series easier or harder. I don't know which way you want to look at it, but I don't think this this squad needs major surgery. Which is which is I think what they'd like. I think if you look at the teams who've suffered this second season syndrome thing, all of them have been quite old teams. They've looked like players at the end of their cycles and not been moved on quick enough. They have look quite aged. They look quite leggy um they've caught the, they have caught a wave on the first season of that promotion and they've done well but have they renewed enough um were they on a dip they've not been that kind of dip hasn't been pulled or plugged quick enough and they end up going down and really struggling the next year and hopefully we don't fall into that trap and we do make a couple of signings in the right areas that that just not just stabilizes us but actually helps push us on um but yeah that's that's been a little bit of a, t- a taster and a assessment of the squad and I think just from talking you can tell the couple of the areas where we do need to we do need to purchase and fill players in and bolster out the squad I think a key area is probably defence forwards look a little bit more static and we're quite happy with those but then midfield could leave us in a bit of an area with the Eriksson situation unknown there so yeah it's been a good taster but um yeah you're looking forward to identifying some names and um, looking at defenders midfielders and forwards and um Doing Phil Giles' job for him.
3: Yeah, yeah, I'm always available for a phone call. Um, so <laughs> uh, like every Bremen fan would like to think we're experts and obviously try and uh, try and give our opinions. But um, yeah, there's uh, I think there are a few names that kind of crop up and go, oh, that'd be nice. But just like every Bremen fan, we're all kind of eager, just waiting for that little transfer rumor just to come through. And sadly, at the moment, it almost feels like as soon as we do get links with a name, that they They seem to go off to uh, kind of get pipped by other clubs at the moment. So hopefully, uh, just like it, it must be impossible to call it when you're a fan, though, because we seem to just pull out some gems just that we've never heard of from wherever. Um, So it's and it's 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 exciting because that's just how extensive our um, our recruitment department go.
2: Yeah, we're the hardest to um, (laughs) hardest to second guess, aren't we? Which is um, also makes it fun as well. But yeah, it's been good to chat, Jonathan. Yeah, really good, really good teaser into this, these recruitment specials. Um, what I do want to finish off actually is saying, um, talking about the Patreon as well, which um, supports this podcast and keeps it going. Um, we've had a couple of new Patrons sign up, which is good. Lee Scott and George Vernon. Cheers, guys. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, it helps keep this um, keeps this podcast going. Like Jonathan and my own time uh, isn't free, and also these podcasts cost to produce and and host and all that sort of stuff. So it's really nice to see people signing up. So yeah. If you've got a spare few pounds or, or dollars, um, depending where you are in the world, yeah, head on to the Patreon page and sign up, and um, there'll be a little bit of extra content on there, but mainly it's um, supporting the podcast. And there's also a Ko page as well, just search for Bees Tactical. And um, yeah, you can buy us a coffee as well. Um, but yeah, cheers. Um, thanks very much for chatting, Jonathan. Is there anything you want to finish up with?
3: Uh, no, nothing from my end. Just, you know, excited again, just to, to get back into it, discuss. Uh potential new recruitment uh players and yeah just the ever-growing cycle of you know will they sign will they not yes yeah, it's, it's an exciting time and fingers crossed we have a successful summer which leads into a, another promising season
2: yeah good stuff a little glimpse into jonathan's black book and um, notes of players there's a few from um, chelsea obviously we'll find we'll talk a bit more about his old chelsea ties um some from Man United. We might talk about some of those Man United ties later on, and um, a few scan uh, Sorry, a few from Ukraine, um, and some of the others are a little bit more popular as well. We've got to talk about ones that are actually making it into the press. Uh, so yeah, I'm looking forward to it, and um, yeah, really talking about how we assess these players and where we see them fitting in, and whether they're big no-nos or or just paper talk. But yeah, looking forward to it. But yeah, thanks again for listening. Thanks to Jonathan for joining us, and um, yeah, we'll catch you next time. See ya.